Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Bathroom Brouhaha. What's all this brouhaha? Brouhaha? <laughs> As the United States faces all kinds of very large and important problems, we have been concentrating on who gets to pee where. Now, a brief rundown for those of you who are not Americans, who haven't been following this story, or for those of you who are Americans and listening to this a year or so later, when it will probably be forgotten for the next emergency that we have to be all worried about. This all started in North Carolina. The city of Charlotte passed a law that said transgender people could use whatever bathroom they were comfortable using. The North Carolina legislature, desperately afraid of losing their hard-won reputation for being clueless goobers, immediately called a special legislative session, the first time they've done it in over 30 years, to pass a law that said you can only pee in a bathroom that matches the gender on your birth certificate. Now, this particular law only applied to government agencies, and it didn't exclude the possibility, in fact, it specifically included the possibility of having a specific bathroom set aside for someone. But the country exploded in indignation, thinking that this law applied to every business and to every bathroom, even though it really didn't. And the protests started coming thick and fast. Bruce Springsteen canceled a concert that he had coming up, which I really thought was kind of a dick move because none of the people that are going to his concert had anything to do with passing these laws. And part of the fun of a concert is the anticipation of going and making the plans or getting together with friends. And he just said, no, you don't get to do any of that because the people that pass laws in your state are idiots. And if he's going to use that as a criteria then he won't be able to play anywhere in the U.S. PayPal announced that although they had been planning on opening an office in North Carolina, they changed their mind because of this law they were pulling out. Of course, they're still doing business with Arab countries that punish women for being raped by burying them up to their neck and stoning them to death. But, you know, that's different. Social media was deluged with stories, there are at least three or four of them out there, about perverts using this law as an excuse to go into the ladies' room and take pictures of little girls, or to fondle little girls. And these stories brought out the very worst in people. People were screaming about it and saying, well, you know, if anybody went in there after my daughter, here's a picture of my gun, and having a fit. And it turns out that every one of these stories were absolutely fake. There was no truth to any of them. And other states are now passing laws like this as well, and some of them do apply 
to everybody, not just government agencies. This has resulted in police dragging masculine-looking women out of the ladies' room and harassing them. And isn't that just what we need? Another excuse for the police to brutalize citizens. Target announced unofficial company policy, which says that people can use whatever bathroom they're comfortable using. And this, of course, made some people go absolutely nuts. Including evangelicals who have been purposely sending men into ladies' rooms to create problems. Just, I don't know why. Just because, I guess. I, it, it, this brings me to what I figured out a long time ago, that 90% of all the problems in the world are people not minding their own damn business. And people are boycotting Target. There was a petition with a million signatures. People are, oh, I'll never go into a Target again. Planet Fitness also came out with a similar statement that transgender people can use whatever bathroom they prefer to use. And that one, I don't know how that's going to work because you've got a gym there with showers. But again, they're a private business. That was their decision. They should be able to make it. And of course, anybody who expresses any idea that, well, you know, maybe the men's room should be for men and the ladies' room should be for women will immediately be branded with all kinds of names from the left. Oh, you're a horrible, evil person for wanting to have a little privacy in the bathroom. I made a statement on social media that if a woman wants to take her five-year-old daughter into the ladies' room without having to deal with some six-foot dude in a dress, that doesn't necessarily make her a bigot. And, of course, one of the useful idiots stood up and said, well, this is an opportunity to teach the child about various modes of sexuality. It's a toddler. People don't necessarily want to explain to their toddler what a transsexual is. To which this woman replied, and I quote, I agree with you that it's none of my business how other people raise their children, including if they choose to raise bigoted misogynists. What a sanctimonious twit. And when I say twit, I'm not sure I'm using the right vowel in that word. The left typically believes that the collective is far more important than the individual, unless the individual is a member of a minority. In that case, all of society has to change to adapt to them. And when I say minority, it'd be hard to come up with a much smaller minority than transsexuals. They represent 0.3% of the population. 99.7% of the population are not transsexuals. And of that 0.3%, a substantial percentage of them can pass. If you were in the bathroom with a transsexual, you'd never know it. They look, they act, they are male or female, whatever their gender has been changed to. So we're dealing with a problem of a fraction of a percent of a fraction of a percent 
that are making people uncomfortable in restrooms. And I don't pretend to know what the answer is. I don't think the answer is universal. Target's made their decision. Planet Fitness has made their decision. Other businesses, in a free country at least, would be allowed to make their decision, one way or the other. A law that says everybody must allow transsexuals to use whatever bathroom they want is a bad law. A law that says people can only use the bathroom that matches their birth gender is a bad law. In other words, any law on this is completely unnecessary and wrong. And it assumes that one size fits all. The policies of a target may be entirely different than the best policies of uh, the local diner or Joe's Bar and Grill. But business owners set their own policies. And in most cases, they don't even need to because it's not an issue. Maybe that's the policy. We'll deal with it on a case-by-case -case basis. If we've got somebody being obnoxious, you know, some dude with a five o'clock shadow and a big Adam's apple standing in the ladies' room bothering people, well, we'll deal with it then. Otherwise, we don't even need a policy. I saw a cartoon that showed men's and ladies' rooms labeled penises and vaginas. That might actually be a solution. Pre-ops go here, post-ops go there. You can have private, single-person bathrooms. This has been a problem in high schools. There's at least two cases where transgender boys wanted to go into the girls' room, in the girls' locker room, and the school administrator said, look, here's a private bathroom for you. We'll give you a key. Just you. Not a problem. And they insisted, no, we want to take a shower with the cheerleaders. Eh, you you got to meet people halfway. You can't expect 99.7% of the population to bend to your will. And saying, here's a private bathroom, that's a perfectly reasonable, in my opinion, that's a perfectly reasonable solution. And a lot of places now have family bathrooms. This is an issue when dad is out with his daughter and she has to go to the bathroom where do you go dad can't go in the ladies room you want to bring the daughter even if she's just a kid into the men's room they'll have family bathrooms that's a good solution too i don't know what the best solution is i don't think there is a best solution i think it's going to vary according to the kind of business and the type of business and the type of clientele that they serve in other words Instead of passing laws, one way or the other, to deal with this tiny, tiny, tiny problem, we need the government to just back off and let us figure it out for ourselves. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. I got an email from Michael Waddell. Who writes, hello from your progressive atheist listener. Not a plural, just listener. 
And he writes, Dave, as your possibly only longtime progressive atheist listener, I wanted to respond briefly to your recent Statheist podcast. There are three reasons why I think that many atheists are also progressives. One, many atheists believe that atheism is a persecuted minority in this country, and progressives have a much better track record in recent history of protecting the rights of persecuted minorities than have conservatives. I can see that point, but frankly, atheists are not persecuted. Oh yes, people make fun of us and put us down and put up stupid memes about us. Eh, they do that with everybody, and we do that with religious people, and it, it, it's not that big a deal. It's not like we're over in a Arab country where being atheist can literally be a death sentence. Uh, the persecution that we have is... Uh, I think that's an overblown excuse. If any atheist feels persecuted, they need to uh, kind of put their big boy pants on and uh, suck it up. Number two, many people, and especially humanists, believe there needs to be a social safety net to help people who have fallen on hard times through no fault of their own. Conservatives propose dismantling the government's role in this and leaving it up to churches and other non-for-profits. Because many churches use their social outreach as a way of proselytizing, the conservative plan can be viewed as a way of the government helping churches grow and increase their power and influence. I do agree. I do agree very strongly that we need safety nets. And before the government got in the safety net business, there were lots of safety nets. And yes, churches were part of them, but there were also things like mutual aid societies. I think every one of us, or nearly every one of us, has been at some point in our lives in really dire straits where we really needed the help of someone else, maybe financially, maybe emotionally. And there are ways of doing that that work much better than the government. I've been reading up a little on mutual aid societies, and they're actually very cool, and they span all different ethnic groups, some were based on ethnic groups, some were based on religion, some were based on philosophy, some were based on uh, location, and it was, you know, people that were helping each other out. It was a great idea. When government got into the safety net business, they made things worse, as they often do. To give you one specific example, poverty amongst blacks was dropping steadily for decades and illegitimate births were dropping. They were actually pretty low in the black family and had the black family as a family unit. When Johnson came in with the Great Society, that progress stopped. It just kind of leveled out and stayed there and it's been there through all the trillions of dollars that we've spent. We've made being poor a job and many people have taken that job. And for the people who just need the temporary help, as many of us do from time to time, it is designed as a trap. So it's very difficult to get back out once you fall into the government help. It's very difficult to get back out and get back on your feet because you have rules like you can't own a car or you can't own a car that's worth more than $500. And things like that, you can't have a savings account with more than $500 in it or more than $1,000 in it. 
things that tend to keep you impoverished, whereas a mutual aid society or a charity would actually help you get back on your feet and get better off far more quickly. So yes, I do agree that we need social safety nets. I just think the government is just about the worst way to provide it. And number three, many atheists prize science and education very highly. Over the past few decades, conservatives have rallied against public schools and universities and have pushed for increased funding for parochial schools that teach nonsense like creationism as if it were science. Some conservatives have been openly hostile toward the educated elites and pander to the misinformed and poorly educated. Well, that's true. The problem is that being misinformed and poorly educated goes hand in hand with government schools. 25% of the population thinks the sun goes around the earth. And in a recent study, 80% of the people polled said, yes, we should label all food that has DNA in it. In real dollars, we have tripled what we spend per student on public school. And we have a nation of walking morons. Personally, I think education is so important that the government shouldn't be involved in it at all. They do a really lousy job. And when you talk about educated elites, take a look at what's going on in universities now. How educated is somebody going to be when they have to have a safe space, when somebody that they don't like comes to speak, when they hear an idea that they don't like, when somebody writes Trump in chalk and they freak out? Our universities are turning out idiots too. He continues, personally, not speaking for all atheists or progressives, I understand the libertarian position that all taxation and all other government action is done using the threat of force. However, I find the libertarian plan to be just as naive as the socialist one. Whereas the socialist utopia is based on the fallacy that an absolutely powerful government will be benevolent, the libertarian utopia is based on the fallacy that a small and weak government will not create a power vacuum and immediately be turned into a banana republic by other more powerful entities. Well, the only correction I would make there is that libertarianism is not utopian. Libertarian instead recognizes that there are bad people and there are bad actors. Uh, and it's not quite anarchy. Believes that the government should be there to go after people for force and fraud, which would include people that are trying to turn it into a banana republic. What we can see is that what we have now and what we're continuing to build it doesn't work. It's not working. It, 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 it's a mess. And so let's try something a little different. P.S. For a view of what most progressives think the U.S. would become under a libertarian government and also just an excellent techno thriller, I highly recommend Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. I've seen a lot of people recommending that book and uh, I'll have to get around to that because it, uh, it looks pretty interesting. P.P.S. It's wonderful to have you back. I intentionally kept quick hits in my podcatcher for the past four years in the hope that you would return to it eventually. I was really thrilled and surprised with the number of people who had done that and how quick the response was when I put out the first one and said, hey, let me know if you're listening. And uh, with absolutely no advertising within 24 hours, I had over a dozen people say, yes, yes, I'm listening. So let me know if you're listening. 
send me a postcard, drop me a line. So daviddavehit.com. You can stop at Facebook. There's a quick hits page there. You can like that. You can start a commentary there if you like. And about the only thing left for me to say is that the Quick Hits podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion. Therefore, should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.